Welcome to episode 10 of the Dad Bod Pod. Jamie Schleicher, we have two guest hosts, two regular hosts, and the editor editing in real time. Jamie, uh, thanks for being on the pod today. So good to be here um, as a guest. Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is James. I like books and constitutional law. Uh, I enjoy playing sports. I've been in Charlottesville about three and a half years now. I work in town at a digital marketing agency with fellow league member Caleb Fleming. I didn't realize that. We are co-workers. Do you do, you do data manipulation and mining like he does, or do you do something different? <laughs> I, I do something a little bit different. I'm on the client services side of our company. I'm an account manager in our search engine optimization department. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and then what kind of brings you alive regarding this whole league thing we have going on? Like, what, what is it about Charlottesville and life and this brotherhood that... I don't know. Does it for you? <laughs> <laughs> what floats your boat, Jamie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I know exactly what you're asking here. And um, I'm, I'm one of the most quietly competitive people that you ever meet. I love all aspects of competition and have been playing fantasy football for a number of years now. So a couple couple years ago, Matt asked me if I would like to join this league. Mm -hmm. uh, came in the same year as Robert, which I just found out on the last pod. So this is my third year in the league. And I was living with Matt at the time. You were uh, part of the 2016 draft of the Dad Bod Pod. Correct. Okay. Yep, I was really good friends with Matt at the time. Uh, we but, were but, but not anymore. Are, are you saying that as in you're not? You're not <laughs> <friends with Matt>? <laughs> <laughs> What's changed? And you James? are no longer roommates with Matt because I do remember. Or more importantly, no longer good friends. Time of drama, the beginning of the season <laughs> where you were moving out, or or Matt was moving out. I can't remember. Yeah, you know, three years is a long time to live in close proximity with someone. Things happen. You grow apart. <laughs> I don't know if we need to go into all the details right now. But. <laughs> was this around the time that you guys were colluding against Seth and I when oh, we made our legitimate that. trade and then you guys yeah. colluded to block it when there was collusion involved in your veto? Hashtag collusion. So much collusion. There was collusion before that, if I recall correctly, in this very apartment, um, which I have very fond memories of. But on draft night, there was trading of draft spots that had been preemptively arranged by the roommates. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Y'all had already decided to... You guys had basically been mock drafting oh, yeah. together. Did we That's, violate any league public no. disclosure quote? No. Leave that stray. I mean, just we'll, we'll get back to public disclosure in a little bit. I, we can work that in and see how that fits with other sorts of trades we may or may not be comfortable with. I don't disagree that you're one of those quietly competitive guys. You are a silent assassin. I think leaving this year aside for a second, you've been near the top of the heap the past couple of years, right? Yeah, and uh, especially in the regular season. As Caleb mentioned in his first or second Caleb's Corner, my playoff performance has seen steep dips right. from my regular season performance. But first year in the league, regular season champion, second Second season in the league, I was well positioned to win the regular season championship and had some heartbreak at the the last game of the year. But 
And in real life, too, as we found out in episode nine, uh, at the NCAA level, soccer and lacrosse and MCL and more. Oh, okay. Yeah, club club sport. I gotcha. But uh, the quiet part also, I think, rings true. I think it was in an early episode this season where you admitted that the first time anyone had ever heard you speak was maybe at like our third draft night. <laughs> and I was like, you know, that's right. Tell me your name again. And uh, <laughs> or, or as a uh, host on the pod, that may have been the first time mm, many people heard you speak. That was the joke. That was it. <laughs> Uh, fun little data point as we kind of round out this week's bio section. You and I have something very much in common. We were both camp counselors at a very competitive Christian sports, I guess, outdoors camp in Pennsylvania at different times of our lives. I was a camper for six years and a counselor for two. And how how often were you at Summer's Best Two Weeks and in Bos- Boswell? Boswell, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I was a one and done summer of 2011. Was it a good time for you? It was a great time. I loved it. Definitely would have gone back. Some other opportunities came up in the the summers afterwards, so never made it back. Which which tribe were you a part of? I I was Roman Red. That's right. So for those at home who aren't part of this kind of cult of summer's best two weeks, the competition breaks down into two teams and everything is graded on points. You're actual competitions, your achievements in everything from uh, rappelling a wall to uh, canoeing to sailing and that sort of thing. Everyone gets points and it was Romans versus Galatians uh, all the time and Galatians tend to win the most. And there's a there's a collusion reason for that, but I don't know if our listeners want to hear it. We don't have to get into that too much, but well, thanks for being on the pod today, Jamie. Do you want to take your pod back over? <laughs> See, I have a question for Jamie um, yeah. before, we, before we move on from this, because I think most of us know what it's like to get um, a little bird in our ear about maybe, hey, uh, I need a quick hit. Maybe want to trade someone to me this week. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, by, by text, be it by text or. Uh, you know, email message. Yeah, so I just wonder: is it a little bit, um, a little bit more intense if you're living with with Maddie McNichol? Uh, you get the little bug in your ear. Does does it kind of like wear you down a little bit? Or like six thirty in the morning? Jamie, are you awake? You want to trade? Yeah, there are definitely some tactics that may (laughs) may cross the border into psychological warfare. What have I done, Jamie? You know exactly what you've done. <laughs> it, it is relentless, and you just have to kind of resolve in your heart to stay strong, stick to your principles, your trade charts, and know, know the value of your players. And if, if you hold, hold true to all of those things, you will never get swindled in a deal by Matt McNichol. There you go. We, did, we made one trade thing. this year, right? You gave me Jamal and Alfred. I don't think that any of the players... That was a, that was a kicker trade, let's be honest. <laughs> I have traded starters with Matt. Multiple starters. I think I uh, taught Matt the value of the impulsive trade. And What is the value of the impulsive trade? It's just, so you're saying you're the origin of all of this, Travis? No, no, no. This was, this <laughs> no, no, no. was much later. So Matt kept on uh, you know, offering trades to me that were generally ludicrous. But I sort of upped the game to involve some of my biggest players. 
and just made it clear to him how fun it is to make a trade purely based on impulse. He kept saying, I, I don't know. I think I got to think it over for a day or two. And I just said, that's fine. I'm going to be bored with this trade by tomorrow. So if you want to do it, you just got to capitalize on the most fun trade window. And it actually was pretty fun, right? Sort of like we did after draft. Exactly. It was a mutually <laughs> impulsive, fun trade. It's, it's, it's kind of like wanting... Yeah. Uh, so I've made two big trades this year. I definitely regret the first one with Trey. The whole Dalvin Cook thing has not worked out for me. I really wish I had Jarvis Landry back. And, you started with Jarvis. And oh, Austin man. Eckler. And Eckler. Uh, both those guys, I know they're not amazing, but they're definitely contributors. And Dalvin Cook cannot be called a contributor. Uh, you know, maybe there's something to be hoped for there. Um, Possibly limited touches this week. If anybody wants to trade him for him, he is definitely for sale. Uh, for sale, for sale, for sale. And um, you really sold him there, Matt. <laughs> yeah, Seth. Apparently, he's going to be on a snap count. He has multiple broken legs, but if you want him, he's Man. yours. Latavius has really looked good too. That's right. right after I dropped him, I'm I like, think I'm understanding the thinking now. The analogy that came to mind as Travis was talking was of like going on a first or early date with a special mm-hmm, someone mm-hmm. to a movie, mm-hmm. and you only have you only have that two hour window to kind of reach out and hold their hand. If you don't do it while the movie's playing. That was your window, mm-hmm. and you can't have that moment back. I, and the thing is, if you do hold in, it's that much more special see, and romantic. The problem here you is You won't that, regret it, even if they say, like, hey, I don't want to see you anymore on the other side. At least you had that moment. That, that, and, and, by, ifs. and by hold hand, Seth means make out. Travis. This, is a, this is a family-friendly podcast, we found out. <laughs> when, when, we don't know who at Trinity's listening. <laughs> when Travis took we that... Know that we know that <laughs> when Travis took Pat Mahomes from me, that was definitely that was definitely more than holding hands. <laughs> we went all the way. Now up to this week's new segment, just for kicks with Zach Robbins. Welcome, welcome to the kicking corner. <laughs> the kicking corner. Um, okay, so. We thought that this could be a little um, fodder for the potter tonight. Some some people were publicly questioning or publicly inquiring about what in the world Zach might be doing with four kickers on his bench. And there was a little bit of back and forth on the on the, the pod. The hand was more or less tipped on the group me, but we wanted to give Zach a little chance to see how much he wants to divulge about why he's playing prevent D with kickers against Matt. Especially since we've had some chatter this league this year about some folks wanting to do it with kickers all together. Super flex. Caleb, cough Caleb. Yeah, so this <laughs> this idea that there would even be a kicker strategy, the 2-7 offsuits, if you will, of fantasy football. Uh, tell us more, Zach. Yeah, tell me everything. It's, it's, my, it's my ace king. So you know, mm-hmm. which is also why I'm 12th in the league. Um, <laughs> you got nothing left to lose, baby. That's right. So it, it's a little bit of the Jay Gruden strategy, if you uh, if you harken back to, to last night. Um, it's the long game, the long con, really. John Gruden. We're coming back to that. I love it. Tell and me more. So, um, 
Yeah, so the, the, the strategy on 3-bet D is when you have roster spots to burn, not in the way that Matt thinks about burning his roster spots, which is turning the bottom of the roster through someone else as targets, um, trying to trade his lowest value players for starters on other people's teams. <laughs> that's, that's really what started all of this. And so Matt tips How many him. trades have you made, Zach? Probably the same number as you. I have a higher percentage of trades accepted to offer that's for sure Zach and I made a big trade mm-hmm. that's, that's right. true first round picks involved we analyzed it starters Matt that's what we call a valuable trade alright so at the bottom of the league Zach it's clear that you did not have a ton of depth on your team so I'm assuming that the lack of depth is sort of the beginning of the inklings of maybe trying a new strategy is that correct yeah so this is this is not so much trying a new strategy as I, I have not had a super valuable deep roster, which I've always kind of wanted to be in this position, um, if, you, if you think about it, so, which is being terrible. Uh, terrible enough so that I could actually take on the strategy of um, playing directly with my opponent, which, if you think about fantasy football, it's similar to some other games where you kind of do your own thing, and you never really interact with the person on the other side. This is an example where you can interact with the person on the other side by picking up players that they may need. This can happen for any position that they may be streaming, like tight end, quarterback, but in most cases, kicker. And that's what and I know, based on history, that that's what Matt likes to do. He likes to not have a kicker until the very last minute of, of before the game and then pick up a kicker and play him. Literally 10 minutes before. Wow. Right after I get out of church. So this position you like to be in that you've always kind of wanted to be in, but we're always in two much of first place to worry about. This is very Gruden-esque. Yeah. So you're tanked to get into the position to employ the strategy. The appropriate term for this position seems to be DGAF. Doesn't give a... <laughs> <laughs> it's good, it's real good. I didn't make that up. That's a real thing. Oh. DGAF. That's what the, the youths are saying? If this was the F that pod, he would have said the F. Yeah. Uh, I'm careful about our many nameless listeners. <laughs> yeah, so so the, the so that's the origin of the of the strategy is prevent defense against your opponent, picking up a position that they may be looking for on the waiver wire, thinking that no one else is going to want more of that position. Well, little did Matt know that my roster depth uh, was actually not deep at all. So I had a lot of roster spots to burn, whereas normally a team is holding on to players that might be potentially valuable. Um, so I know Travis in the, is a, is in this position. Caleb is in this position. Most people are in this position. I was not in this. Um, I had, let's see, who did I drop? Zay Jones, uh, Devontae Booker, Chris Hogan. Travis, you know about Chris Hogan. Um, I know about Chris Hogan. (laughs) I didn't have anything to lose by dropping players. And so if I was going to pick up any player, why not pick up players that my opponent might want to be picking up? Now, going to why kicker, I think your natural argument against that would be, well, kickers don't matter anyway. They're such a crapshoot. Well, isn't that all of fantasy football? Isn't every single player at every single position a crapshoot? Ezekiel Elliott, first week that I ever had him, scored four points. His first round pick, one of the best running backs in the league, scores four points. Um, uh, David Njoku, one of the tight ends, Cleveland Browns, um, seemingly one of the only offensive weapons on that offense, although a terrible offense, as is evidenced by Hugh Jackson firing and Todd Haley's firing, uh, put up a complete zero last week. So, Calling the kicker some anomaly position that is such a crapshoot is like saying we shouldn't play fantasy football. So trying to eliminate the Ooh. kicker position, I think, is a, a misnomer. Yeah, but, but, Zach, 
how far down the fantasy points against ladder do you think you can push, Matt? Really? In terms of my own points? In terms of which kicker he has to end up with. And, then, yeah, and so, how bad of a matchup he's going to have. And this gets at why we play the game. So I know that I don't want him to have a, a potential tier one or tier two kicker. And so I'll give you a little bit of insight to, in, in my own analysis, what makes a tier one or a tier two kicker, which isn't just a crapshoot, which is what Caleb would have you believe. Um, so there are several <laughs> things, which is very, very similar to defenses. So if, I, so if you say the kicker should be eliminated, I think defenses should be eliminated as well, because a lot of the same statistics apply. So you're looking for... Uh, you're looking for a high-powered offense, so, so a team that can move the ball, because you need the ball to be moved to a position where a kicker can actually kick it. Um, in some cases, you want a high-powered offense that actually has a low percentage of red zone performance, or red zone, um, turning red zones into uh, touchdowns. So the Giants were that for a long time. Sorry, Seth. Uh, <laughs> they were great at moving the ball, but terrible at doing anything um, once I they got disagree. to the 20-yard line. So they kicked a lot of field goals, which was great back in the day. Um so those are two high-level bullet points in terms of what teams you're looking for when you're looking at the waiver wire of kickers. Then you're looking for matchups, so matchups that uh, give a lot of points to the kicker, so maybe defenses that do a poor job of, of preventing uh, the ball from being moved, but do a better job once they get into the red zone, or just in general are terrible defenses. Like, I don't know how many points the 49ers kicker, is that still Robbie Gould? Yeah. Kicked last night, uh, but the Raiders defense was terrible which is a great recipe for a lot of points from the kicker. Um, then you're also looking for um, other factors or external factors, which would be where they're playing. Are they playing in a dome, which are controlled environment? So you're not worrying about wind and weather. Um, and if they're not playing in a dome, are they playing uh, where there might be inclement weather, whether it's snowing, cold, windy, rainy, those all affect kickers. Uh, and then from there, you're also looking at home and away performances generally at home is better. So. Your optimal is high-powered offense. There's also talent in there, too, but that's a little bit of a crapshoot. There are some kickers that have a lot of talent, but that can also change quickly. Ask Travis McKell about, what was it, his seventh-round pick uh, three or four years ago, that's Steven right. Gostowski. Uh, talent can backfire, so it's not all about the talent. Uh, it's about all the external factors as well. Uh, but you're looking for generally a proven kicker on a good, high-powered offense that might have a little trouble in the red zone that's playing at home in a dome, against a poor defense. Uh, but if you can take any number of those factors, generally you're setting yourself up for success when it comes to scoring more points from your kicker. So there's a method to the madness. It's not just grabbing someone off the waiver wire or free agency, as Matt would have you believe. But maybe he won't have anyone to grab when it comes time 10 minutes before matchup on Sunday, and maybe that will be his downfall. You are a huge nerd. Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, there's a lot to unpack there, but first I want to say, like, if Fantasy Pros is hiring, I think you just wrote your entire cover letter for, like, whole new segments that people aren't taking seriously. Like, The, the, real, the real question is, does, does your Yahoo Fantasy statistics, do that, does that serve as your resume? Because if so, I would, I would be overlooked immediately. Well, you raise a, yeah, well, you raise a really... <laughs> Uh, I think we all would probably to a degree, but you raised that interesting point, which is that I wonder if there's a catch 22 in here. You basically proved the point that these things matter very much if you're going to play with them while simultaneously uh, reinforcing this question we've been asking ourselves all year as a league and on the pod, which is, are we spending way too much time overthinking this <laughs> when really like, uh, 
whatever we have on our bench could go either way. Caleb also kind of reinforces this week by saying the projections might mean nothing. I will say, I, I mean, so my thought when I saw that Zach was doing this was this is actually like pretty smart because what else does he have to lose? Like he's point. kind of, he's kind of maxed out the amount of points he's probably going to score. There were no, there's no very clear options on the waiver wire that are going to make your team a ton better. Obviously you're sort of, you're throwing darts anyway, right? Right. This is one way in which you can potentially force a hand, try something new. I thought it was worth a try. I, I commend you, Zach, on this. I, you. I think you, you maybe are spending too much time working at it, but, um, so, so basically, the offense—the offense you wanted, though, was was basically like the Raiders, right? You wanted Sebastian Janikowski kicking on Matt's team. He's on the Seahawks now. Isn't oh, is he on the? Who's on? Who's the Raiders? Oh, they got a new kicker. They got a young Carlson, guy. the guy who was cut by the Vikings. Yeah, you wanted him. You wanted him on Matt's team. Except he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't check the box of any talent whatsoever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's who you want Matt to go with. Well. Can I respond for a moment? The floor is yours. No. So, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like it better. So, I mean, in, 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 this, in this, you know, kind of long amount of time that you were spending this yarn about kickers. Uh, you picked up a kicker. Good job. I'm proud of you. I went ahead and picked up. I will up, wager a bet that they will not score more than 10 points. Well, so I'll tell you who I picked up. I picked up this guy named Giorgio. He's my favorite. Giorgio. He's my favorite. The guy that you kept, the, the guy that you kept picking up and. Today? Uh, that was Hopkins, who you picked up no. and you currently have. Correct. Uh, no, uh, Giorgio, he used to be on the Packers. He was competing with Mason Crosby back in the, the year that Crosby had a oh, this is the Falcons had an now. awful season. Uh, he's taking over for Matt Bryant on the Falcons this Bryant week. Well. He, uh, he also played in the last game for the Falcons. He scored 16 points. He's got a huge leg. Falcons have a huge offense. Uh, I'm not too worried about you, Zach. That's fine. We'll see how it turns out. Is that why you're trying to trade for the Chicago Bears, Cam Newton, and Robert Woods the week before you played me? I just like those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt Bryant is not officially out. All right. The latest, the latest is that Matt Bryant's not officially out. This is where we uh, separate the wheat from the chaff in terms of our loyal listeners because this has all been super rich. None of it's getting edited out, and it's all about <laughs> kickers. Yeah, but it says that. (laughs) Hey, um, building off that, I don't know if this is a good time to segue, but you mentioned something about the long game and uh, John Gruden uh, that got us something we were talking about in our pregame session, which is the fascination we have with the fact that at this professional multi-billion dollar level sport that a man has been given a 10-year, $100 million contract to – it looks like do whatever he wants and which includes sort of spitefully jettisoning all of the previous first round picks that he can who are going on to other teams like Khalil Mack and just wrecking it with, I mean, jury's going to be out on Amari Cooper, but a lot of fantasy sites at least seem to think that he's got some, uh, the Cowboys said this week that they're not going to work him in slowly. They're going to throw it to him as much as they can. Uh, oh shoot, I shouldn't have said that because I offered Trey a trade for him. Um, but uh, 
But yeah, uh, Travis, did so, you want to yeah. add something a bit? Because what... well, I was just thinking as I watched the game, and I, I actually did listen to his uh, post-game remarks, and it made me wonder: Is John Gruden completely uh, inept, or is he an evil? Ge- or is he a brilliant evil genius? Did he come in with a plan to take like a? Our president. Yeah, well, right. he sounded a bit like the president. I've got I've got people calling me all the time dying to play for the Raiders, right? You know, I got the best <laughs> words, right? Uh, it sounded a little bit 45-ish there. Yeah, they both got uh, the same shitty haircut and so <laughs> But is he, is he completely inept or is he an evil genius? And he has taken a 12-4 and four team two years ago to a 1-7 and seven team this year. Now 1-8. Um, was that the plan coming in or was it not the plan coming in? And what this, do you guys I, think? I, I totally think it was the plan coming in. And yeah. It's clear from from his trades that, that it is definitely the long game. But are you, are you giving him too much credit though? Maybe he's just spiteful, I, and maybe he doesn't want to. I'll, you know. I'll tell you. I'll tell you in nine years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, this gets at like to the. Uh, I this is where it would help to know something about college football that I don't even care to know. But like with all the draft picks they have next year, for example, like in the first round. Who's going to be coming down the wire? It also raises the question, like, if there's that analog to the president, there is the Davis family, which is also kind of cuckoo in their own way, probably thinking that they're okay with this. Um, Yeah, I think this is obviously the plan, because as someone pointed out earlier, if they fire him, if, like, three years from now they're still going 1-15, and they still have to pay him all that money. Uh, so it's a big long-term investment in some future kind of Las Vegas dynasty. I don't know. Sort of like your kicker plan. Well, so next year we got we got Nick Bosa coming up, right? Uh, and if they get the first pick overall, they probably got a good shot at him. Uh, he could be I mean, a good. It's the, it's the, it's the 76ers. Uh, trust, the trust, trust the process. You know what? I mean, that's a good reason. Not. Any, I mean, when you've got a contract for 10 years, why not? That's right. Wouldn't we all like that? Well, and it also maybe um, helps explain why they would have given him a 10-year contract, right? He's probably saying it's going to take at least five years to turn this thing around if we're doing the process. And then I'm going to take it to the next level. So... Otherwise, you don't give a 10-year contract for a guy who's been out of the league for 10 years. Yeah. I get that. I definitely give him some credit because he's won a Super Bowl before. So, you know, he's not just coming out of the booth and it's like you're wondering, does he have any plan, that type of thing. You give him some credit for that. He won a Super Bowl with somebody else's players. That's right. Mm -hmm. In the first year they showed up in that town. Okay, you give Hugh Jackson those <laughs> players. Do you think they win a Super Bowl? <laughs> it takes work to win a Super Bowl. Hey, I don't hey, care hey, which players you no have. One's fault. No players, one's fault, according to Hugh Jackson, Jackson, he would have won. He players. made it to the Super Bowl with the Raiders with the Ryan Fitzpatrick of his day, Rich Gannon, right? Who just, at age like 37, discovered this new arm cannon he had. And, um, yeah. I thought Rich Gannon played for the Raiders. That's what I'm saying. He made it to the Super Bowl with the Raiders the year before. Oh, got it. Yeah, jump yeah. ship to the Bucks. Yeah, his team made the Super Bowl too, and then he beat his team with other players. So, see the the big problem for John Gruden is that he has to play the Chiefs twice a year. 
And then he has to get past the Chiefs to get into the playoffs. And we all know that for the next 10 all right. years. Okay, all right. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's move on. No, but so, like, I, have a, I have a quick question there for our commissioner. How are you feeling right now in real life? Have it, you, the Chiefs have never won the Super Bowl, right? They won the... Uh, the, the I can already tell the answers now. Yeah. <laughs> it was the year before it was the NFL. Yeah, the... They lost in the first Super Bowl. They lost in the first Super Bowl. The NFL championship. Mud Bowl or whatever. So you must feel a little bit like we feel as like Virginia basketball fans with Tony Bennett right now, which is like kind of giddy, but kind of like, well, it doesn't count until we make it to the, what, AFC championship? Or do you need the Super Bowl this year? Are you just excited to ride this wave no matter what with Pat Mahomes? Uh, We got to get to the Super Bowl in order to justify dropping Alex. Uh, yeah. Right. Is, I mean, because you guys had what true. was your record last year? Fourteen and two. That is not true. You've already justified Pat yeah. Mahomes. Yeah. No. It's so in every way. I will agree with that, but I will say, um, coming into the season, had a I would have thing. said, coming into the season, I would have said, we got to get to the Super Bowl in order to justify it. I wouldn't have expected the statistical year Mahomes has had up to this point. Um, so I feel fairly confident that we made the right choice. Record no setting, what, but. Um, so you're feeling good as a fan up to what point? Well, here's the, here's what I'm actually glad to see. Yeah. We lost a game. And then... An amazing game. We lost an amazing game to the Pats. And then we came back and we crushed the Bengals. That's right. In previous, the past three or four years, we would have gone on a six or seven or eight game skid. We have been the streakiest team yeah. in the league year in and year out. That's just true. stretches of wins and losses. Overall, it's been winning, but um, to be able to bounce back like that made me feel like, okay, new team, different team. That's right. And even in that Pats game, it was like a barn burner where each put up 40 points. Like, it only came down to the last possession. I'm just kind of jealous. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about the Tears of Fears for this week. And Tears for Fears. That's kind of a frustrating thing. To me, I was gonna say, do you want to talk about this? As usual, <laughs> I, I will say, I, I improved. I improved. You went from zero to one. Uh, I went from that's nothing a, to a, something. That's an infinity percentage performance bump right there. So mm-hmm. I did. I did get a couple votes. Apparently, some people changed their votes. Yeah, there were two, and now so whoever voted for Matt <laughs> moved to Cody. Yeah. Uh, surprise. Sean has... knew that you wouldn't have a strong kicker. <laughs> Let's go, Giorgio. Sean, who has two votes, who's in ninth place this week. That's amazing. And Steven, anybody at this table vote for Sean? No. I believe that I did. I would like to hear the. So I talked with Sean. We both made a pact that we were going to win out the rest of the season. So much collusion. We just <laughs> made a pact that each of us was going to win out. I don't know how we. I think you are, and Yahoo agrees. You know, actually, Yahoo agrees. You both are. We said the let's playoffs. start. Let's start winning, and we both said okay. That's a pact. Do you guys play each other? I don't think you know what a pact is. (laughs) I think I play both of you guys. It was an agreement that we were going to win. And this week, Steven, who is last week's second most feared, is first place runaway favorite with five votes. Caleb, who was the most feared for the past two, three, has got zero votes. So it begs the question. How many points did he score last week? It was less than than zero. And didn't he score 80 weeks? More than that. So I've Less had than week, Zach, I've had, more than zero. <laughs> I've had weeks like that. I know what happens, but 
Yeah, but like I don't think that's the whole reason though, because he was consistently even when Caleb was in third or fourth place, he was getting talked up as this. He's just shooting the moon here, mm-hmm. and now Stephen is. I just don't. Get did it. we jinx him? I, I, Here's the thing: my lowest week is 112 points. I get no airtime. What the heck? I mean, I'm the same. I've What's not even point? gotten a vote, and I'm averaging 122 points a week. Six. I'm in second place. Where do your points come from? Pickers? Pat mm, Mahomes. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> they used to come from Pat Mahomes. <laughs> now they come from Joe Mixon and James Conner. James Conner. So here's part of Who the I issue. I think is going to be a starter. People, the rest are, people, of the year. Are no, people have not been sure that they're going to see James Conner. It does the seem as though at this point, oh, yeah. I think we can feel somewhat sure. He'll contribute the rest of the season, even if Bell comes back. I think. I, I doubt that Bell gets much. I think Bell comes back and gets injured, scare quotes. But mm. um, All right, so who scores your points, Seth? Saquon. 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 Um, Emmanuel Sanders, more weeks than not. Um, James White, who was definitely a later round pick for me, uh, who I felt good about. Yeah, that was big. And Mike. How many, how, Mike many does, how many points does Deion Lewis score for you? He, you know, put 20 up for me week one, and then I turned him into Philip Rivers, and I, I have no regrets. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. And uh, let me think about this. My quarterbacks, uh, even before that, Russell Wilson is actually starting to hit his second half uh, typical swell, something I apparently, like, experience every year as his uh, chronic drafter. Back to James Conner real quick, though. It is true that Yahoo is projecting uh, that – He's going to see a decreased load starting week 11. I mean, Yahoo do doesn't know crap. And what's interesting to see here is that I currently have about 115 more points than, uh, than Seth. What's your so, points? I mean, that's like, what are your points? You know, that's basically a whole, a whole extra game. What are your points? Just curious. What, what are that's they? a great point. What am I, like, yeah, what's what the point? Are, yeah, what, how many points? A thousand. Oh, how, like, literally how many points? Yeah. So one, you have one nine, one thousand ninety-one. You have nine. You have eight and a half points <coughs> less than Stephen right now. What am I at? Nine eighty something. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think the thing with Stephen is look who's scoring his points. Uh, Todd Gurley, Gurley, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, yes. Latavius, kind of the accidental well, he flex. just picked up Latavius now. Oh, good for him. Marlon uh, Mack. Oh, really? Yeah, and he. How did he pick up Marlon Mack? He doesn't make any moves, Dude, and I, he picked up. I cannot a stud. believe that he got Marlon Mack. I don't. I have to talk with him about that. And then oh, Mike sorry. Evans. Mike Otherwise, Evans. Mike so Evans has been doing. What are you trying to, to really say? Good year. I'm just saying that I'm more afraid of Todd Gurley and Travis Kelsey than I am of your lineups. Like to, 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 to just deliver week in and week out. Hmm. I had Todd Gurley last year. I won the yeah. league. I kind of just feel like it's whoever gets Todd Gurley gets to win the league. I mean, this. it's fine if you don't like my team. I just feel like, you know, Devontae Adams, James Conner, Joe Mixon. Like, what do you want? Like, I'm, I'll say this about my team being. What, what does make you afraid? <laughs> it's just Todd Gurley, I guess. No, what, well, I think it's what we said in the group meet this week. The fear, this is our own version of power rankings. Most feared means the person you least want to face on your way to the championship. Meaning, like, I'm voting for Steven. Because I, I feel a little bit like the little engine that could. Nothing is a guarantee like Todd Gurley yeah. is or Mike Evans is. I can put up 120 points a week. 
Here's the thing. But you if I face one of those guys, I'm like, I'm just going to. down a lot. That's right. You might get him on a good week for you. I'm not going to watch I football even if I'm in the championship game. I'd just be like, someone tell me if I won the money when it's over. Isn't this also a little bit of fear of the unknown? Where's, oh, where's get existential. anonymity and, and lack of involvement and or quietness. When he is involved, it's, it's for real. Or, you know, based on his, his podcast, uh, call some people out. AKA myself, um, <laughs> versus, versus Matt's vocalness and, and especially his trade strategy where no Fam- one's afraid. Familiarity breeds contempt. Yeah. Right. That's a could piece he, of it, but I think part of what you, yeah. Could you say the same thing about Sean? Sean is very active on the line. But Sean has feared and he's not a very active, he's not that active. He's on active the on the wire. He he's not active yeah. um, vocally. He's not trash talking, but what you get at Zach is also this existential crisis. I think we wonder or worry about in what, why we're playing fantasy football at all, which is like, is Steven calling our collective bluff by barely paying attention to this, buying a $2 app and his whole season is just like a middle finger to uh, how much all of our weeping and gnashing of teeth over who's in our lineup every week. <laughs> is, is he John Gruden in his ninth year? No way, man. Steven is Sean McVay. He is just blowing people out. He is just on a tear. Wait, who won each? I won the first year. Then Steven. Of thing. Then Steven. Beat me in the finals. And then I Travis. Won. And then you won. Is this our fourth year? This is our fourth year as dad bods. I can't remember. No, it's our fourth year. Check your balls was, was no, it's our, one. It's our fourth year overall. Is it fourth year overall, Zach, or fourth year as dad? Bats? And I won the fourth regular year, season. Fourth year overall. Okay. So fourth we had two year overall. In my place, one at Seth's, then one at Matt and Jamie's. So Stephen. Okay. Well. All right. Tears for fears. What else we got? So <laughs> Stephen's ahead. Cody. I actually think. I mean, look at look at who scores for Sean. Yeah. The Saints, man. I mean, they're scary. The whole Saints. They scare me. Yeah. And he's, they're playing the Rams. Their schedule also in the NFC South and in some of these games yeah. is shootout prone with the Bucks and the Falcons, the Rams this week. They have to score 50 points a game. I mean, it, it could be hard for <clears throat> Sean at this point to make the playoffs. I mean, if- oh, snap. I mean, if he loses two games, that's it. Here's here's my projection. Here's my here's my prediction. Bold prediction. Bold prediction. And it's going to go directly against Stephen's bold prediction against me at the beginning of the season when he said that I'm not going to make the playoffs. I predict that in three weeks, I will win Tears for Fears for the first time. Woo! Is that week three weeks? Eleven. Three weeks from now. That's my prediction. <laughs> I think that's See how it goes. I think that's the most honest poll we all undertake, actually. Actually, I don't know. My most honest poll was who overvalues their players the most. And I <laughs> immediately <laughs> responded, Matt McNichol. <clears throat> so funny. Travis, could you give us a prediction a prediction on who actually makes the playoffs? Yeah. Who are your six teams? My six teams. And then Jamie same question. Doesn't have to be in order. Okay. My top six. Clooney, the Scourge, and the Auburn Walk-Ons have done enough already. 
They're not going to fall off. Then, I think it's got to be, how many teams get in? Six? Six. To the top playoff. Top six. Okay. Clooney the Scourge, Auburn Walk-Ons, Little Giants, Robert Still My Boss, Standing Pat, Eric's Neat Team. So for those at home who aren't looking at the latest rankings on Saturday morning, that's right, since every guy changes their team every week except for Trey, uh, the commissioner just skipped over current fourth place Caleb Fleming, current sixth place Robert Cunningham, current seventh place Drew Thatch. Sorry, to, Drew. To to say that eight and nine are going to move up. Uh, we made a pact. <laughs> Collusion. Collusion. They said they were going to win out, and none of us were there to approve it. Sumner was there. You guys saw the picture. All I know is at one point in this season, Travis gave Sean five points for no reason. <laughs> Simple. You draw your you draw your own conclusions. I've learned so much about the commissioner's powers I didn't know before this season. Uh, That's right. What if Sean makes the playoffs by five points? By five points, that will be unprecedented. And he's unexpected. got a lot of points. He's he and Travis, and we might so have, this is it. We might have and a new upsetting. commissioner next year. Travis and Sean currently in eighth and ninth place have more points than at least two or three of the people above them. So, what if he beats me out for the last playoff spot by five points? Then you better not get last place, or you're doing a Brazilian wax job. Here's my question, Jamie. I'm going to put you on the spot. Hit Who's me. going to be dead last in the playoffs? Because that's what it is, right? For last, mm-hmm. it's not regular playoffs. season. Who's going to be? Who's going to lose the last place game this year? I think it's down to Zach and Trey. Name one, <laughs> and I'll go with Trey because he's not on this are episode. You, are, and, you, are you kidding me? And what? And not there is no. There is zero chance that that's what happened. You think Trey's going to? Trey's win? team is so much better than Zach's. It is unbelievable. Trey, you know what's funny about Trey's team? Here's the thing. Trey won't be able to find a kicker. <laughs> Zach will have them all on his roster. So I mean, so don't forget, Trey started the season 2-0, and and I forget the exact draft day projections, but he was up near the top. Jamie, here's my other question. What punishment is Trey going to pick? Not what would you pick if you were Trey. What is Trey going to pick when I, he loses? I think he goes with the stand-up. Yeah, that's easy. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. He's too hairy for a wax job. That would not I, go love, well. I love that in, in contrast, stand-up is the easy easy way out this year. That's a good point. Compared to last year, apparently people thought about not even playing fantasy because of it. What do we all think is going to happen on the 26th? Like, I don't know what it's like here because we live in a small town and we have a regular, this is a regular open mic night. But what I also know about open mic nights is that too, like if you've seen movies like... Um, Lumen Davis, Inside uh, Lumen Davis. Inside Lewin Davis. That wasn't what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, Cone Brothers. I, I thought it was a good movie. Great film. Um, How, but Pete Holmes' show, show on HBO, uh, right? Not comedy, um, though. No, not comedy. What's Pete Holmes' show on HBO? Crashing. Crashing. You know, for some of these things where there's only like two audience members and the whole audience is other comedians, you're just like, you're not even listening. You're <laughs> waiting for your own thing. So I'm wondering a little bit, is this going to be just kind of a navel-gazing crowd except for our league? Or are people going to go there and be like, you suck. Get off stage. Like, 
Is he going to really have to earn some laughs? I think if you get if you go to any open mic night and you have eleven liquored up, <laughs> at least I think there will be like twenty to thirty well. year old dudes who've been <laughs> waiting for this for months and just Almost can't wait to hear whatever is said. Right. It will create an atmosphere that will break through some of that ice. I, I hear that. I'm also remembering something Jerry Seinfeld said once, though, about like when these guys do because to try out their new material, they'll go to these small clubs in New York City, for example, the biggest names to try it out because they want the honest reaction. And he says, like in some of these clubs, like first 30 seconds, yeah, you're, you're on your name. People are like, oh, my God, it's Jerry Seinfeld. It's Adam Sandler. It's Chris Rock. But then they're like, now make us laugh. And there's no necessarily safe space. So you wonder if you're like, Caleb, woo! Caleb! <laughs> and they're like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that's exactly it. <laughs> the thing is, is five minutes if is a you're long funny, time. Here's the thing, though. Time. If, you're, if you're funny, you will get laughs. If you're yes. not funny at all, you're going to get a lot of laughs from this group. You, because so if you're terrible, from we are going to laugh at how terrible you are. That's my question. And it's just going to make it okay. Yeah. And I think that 11 other guys, plus a Sumner maybe, is going to, and a lot of nameless wives, I don't know. <laughs> Probably. And all yeah. the other listeners, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I, I, I guess what I'm sort of getting is, are we going to be like 90% of the crowd that isn't other people doing open mic? In which case, I totally agree with you. I would love for my my spouse, who will not be named, to to come. I think we'll make up fifty to sixty percent of the crowd. Bold. That's 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 what I'm thinking. Um, but it sounds like I have to save my material because I'm in danger of coming in last. So you're not in that much yeah. danger. You'd be in danger if you did it on the 26th of having to come up with five whole new minutes. Right. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if I can do. You'd that. be in danger if Zach story. wasn't in our league. You can do the same five minutes. <laughs> oh. You don't I, have to come up with a new set. You just I have would, to get up there for five minutes. That's right. You can How many times have you made the playoffs again? <laughs> <laughs> I forget. You know, you, my, name, my, uh, my team name will indicate what, that, what number that is. <laughs> that was a good team name. Playoff Virgin versus Little Giants this week. Um, what is Little Giants in reference to? The movie Little Giants. But annexation of Puerto Rico Rico is a a a football play play that gets played. Right. Okay. Um, Wow. And Zach's avatar is still from the movie. We. Well, but it's ironic because Little Giants is about the underdogs that were victorious. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that Matt is kind of owning himself here? It's possible. Self own. Well, you know, last. for, for, for one day, he had a you know a little bit more of a vicious name, most overrated owner. I saw that, and then that went away. Borrowing from, from what someone else should have named my team. That's Man, right. I'm not gonna lie. I've thought about renaming naming my team again. I just haven't news got, alert. Haven't gotten around to it yet. And can I just say that renaming Robert's team after dominating last week was the highlight of my season so far because I did not think that was a possibility with my current <clears> roster <throat> construction. Yeah. And 
to do that felt great. Good point. It's nice to see after Sean being the better man that you chose to be the worst man. <laughs> you know, when they go high, we go low. So, <laughs> do you, uh, I I heard the feedback on the last pod that you know mm-hmm. the league felt like they got shortchanged right. and you know because we're creating our own need for ourselves, there is this prerogative to stir the pot. Like niceties are nice, but. Um, <laughs> We need content and 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 drama. Conflict. We got we got to scrape. Oh, speaking of drama, the playoffs are nice. Do we have now. do we have time for this this segment about uh, potential rule changes for next year having to do Ooh. with trades? And let me just set this up by whoa, whoa, for next year or for this year. We can't make the, this kind of rule change oh, uh, partway through the season. Because without a vote, about a vote, about yeah, vote. yeah, yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to broach the issue now and see what kind of traction it gets. Um, this is interesting introducing it to the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah, we're before, skipping before this Congress. Here. That's right. <laughs> yeah, losing track. It's not usually how constitutional government works. Uh, okay, so You're the president <laughs> going to the Supreme Court. <laughs> so we had news this week that. Um, there was a trade, and it was an awesome trade, and it involved Stephen Luck and Drew. And what we learned about the trade um, after it had already gone through was that part of the trade, at least, was a maybe the whole trade um, was a one-week loner, and that it would be re uh, sort of undone at the end of this week, and the players would go back to their own places. Um, it got me wondering, because this is not entirely unprecedented, similar sorts of things have occurred in the league before. Um, it got me wondering, should there be a rule that all trades must publish all relevant details regarding the trade at the time of the trade? So this would, of course, um, uh this would, in, of course, have implications for Matt and I's trade, um, yeah. in which which had to be unearthed on the pod, which we would have happily talked about. I, I've <laughs> talked about. I, I shared it with what Seth you, because I was so not. When I raised it, Matt's face was not prepared to talk <laughs> about it. Matt you, had a little bit more of a guilty you conscience. You actually didn't know about that part of it. <clears throat> I didn't until he mentioned it. I raised it on episode eight. Well, you raised what, that we were trading back. Oh, I didn't know about the one week loan. You didn't know about the rental. Yeah, but there was this, there was a two, yeah. So the trade that Matt and I accomplished involved (laughs) some big names. um, And it also involved a one week deferral trade, um, which went into effect a week after our initial trade, but was part of the initial agreement. And it also involved a one week loaner in order for me to incentivize, incentivize Matt to agree to the deferral trade of quarterbacks. All of it was part of the same trade. All of it was aimed at getting the players that you wanted for the weeks that you wanted in order to win your own games. None of it uh, involved any of us in um, teaming up against any players, but there were details that were not known to the entire league at the very beginning of the trade. And so uh, this is similar to the one week loaner trade. There's no rule against it right now. There is only a rule against collusion, but it does bring up an interesting question. Should we have a rule in which all players and all managers have to publish all information about trades at the very beginning of the trade? 
And I think if we if the answer is yes, it has to do with this collusion piece, as far as I'm concerned, which is that trades are going on right now that are ostensibly mutually beneficial, but but as we approach playoff time, are not. I don't know, Jamie. What you had a good way of talking about this. <laughs> well, Did I? I? Clearly. <laughs> Yeah, it it initially it just rubbed me the wrong way. I don't I don't like the idea of one week Lowers. rentals. Um, so yeah, at at the very least, I would want all aspects of the trade to be made public. Of hey, this is the duration of the trade, just so everyone can make that evaluation of what they think the intent and motives are right and and what i would add to that is that it has to do with like the general prerogative why we play fantasy football league it's to win totally to have all your ducks in a row to not give any advantage to someone else and so yeah you might be helping someone else out for a week and maybe helping yourself out with someone who otherwise would be sitting on your bench but also sitting on your bench is also not helping out other players that's what i wanted to say which is that like if you're holding all those points that's what makes you most feared and pushes you towards the end. What if it came back to bite you that someone got a win because you loaned them? Let me let me give a counter argument, which comes from the Trey Coe school of thought. Maybe the Jamie Schleicher school of thought as well. Is that the perceived value school of thought? No, it's the real politics or the monkey school wrench of school thought. Of it's thought. a it's a it's a realism school of thought, which is to say, you should be able to do whatever you oh. can within your power to win your league. Right. regardless of spirit of the league, so that if I think that a trade will benefit others in the league and not benefit me, whether there's collusion or not, I should be able to drop a veto bomb on them, and I should be able to get my friends to do so as well. Now, mm. if you take that sort of spirit mm. and you apply it to application of trades, then really there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do whatever you can to gain an edge, as long as it's not teaming up against a hapless player who doesn't know about it. If your motivation is winning every game and your motivation is not having anybody else win their game, what's wrong with it? I just think with weekly rentals, that line gets very gray very quickly. I don't think that it does, and I don't think that it's as big a deal as you're making it out to be. <clears throat> when anyone is renting a player... It takes two. You know, it takes two people to do it. They both want to do it. There's a reason they're doing it. It might be but, because... But, that, but maybe it's because one person's nice and just doesn't care. Or, That's my question. Like I said, Sean came in second in Tears for Fears this week. He's yeah. currently at three and five. One or two losses, and he's knocked out. How would we feel if I lend someone for one week, DeAndre Hopkins, not good in a matchup, and I get two mediocre players that I can throw in my starting lineup? Uh, hey, my team's getting better, but really, yeah. I'm giving DeAndre Hopkins to someone that's playing Sean. Yeah, see, I would not feel good about that, and yes. that does come down to motivation, and it may be impossible to really determine managers' there's, motivation. And there's too there's, much opinion. There's no way for people to be honest about that. But if you publish all the details, the beginning of your trade, maybe we can make an informed, informed judgment about what you're. Is this gonna like likely read like ill will? Like I'm playing. So Stephen is doing the loner this week, right? Is his loner? Which one did he do? Latavius Murray. Right. 
And, and I'm playing him this week. And yeah, which puts you at a disadvantage. because So he got a rock-solid RB2 in his flex because he's already got Gurley and Coleman. And he gave up who to Drew? Marvin Jones. Wide receiver. Who arguably would also be in his flex? Yeah. Who a lot of sites... I don't know. That's hard. Marvin Jones is also perceived as a pretty good breakout candidate right now. Like... Either one of those would be in his flex, so why did they do this? For Drew's sake? Yes. Drew needed a wide receiver and an extra running back. All right. And he probably made the case to Sean, I will bet you that that Latavius Murray, at least for this one week, will outscore Marvin Jones. Latavius is much safer. And you don't want to keep Latavius for the whole season necessarily because of Dalvin Cook. No, but you've been putting up. It's a win-win for both of them. Uh, Latavius' past three weeks, 22, 21, and 18. It is a win-win for both of them, so I'm actually kind of okay with it. Now, it, I was struck by the fact that it's a one-week loaner. We found out after the trade went through. Right. I, I just I don't like the one-week aspect of it. So you think it should be illegal in all cases to trade someone for one week? What's funny is it requires a lot of trust, too, like... Speaking of ill will, what if someone's like, <laughs> I'm going to hang on to this, this guy. This is all because we see each other in real life that this is even possible. Yeah, I would say that there would be no requirement for that to be, I mean, other than, I don't know. Like, some, like I wouldn't, I friendship? Are you taking a leak right now? Uh, are you I, watering I, your I'm, plants? I'm washing some dishes and taking a leak at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Antiseptic. Nice. Okay, so what about you, Zach? What about the um, information requirement? Should there be transparency? Should it be full kimono? <laughs> My question is, how would you enforce that? I would enforce and, it because and, I'm the and, commissioner. <laughs> and what and, and what is what is considered like hundred percent information? Which players will be moved when and when? I, I mean, if I'm making a trade. I don't want other people to know what I'm doing. And I'm not going to tell you. That's how I am. I don't do this, like, open negotiation thing. Yeah. Like yeah and, 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 like, what, what would be, why would they necessarily be considered one trade versus, oh, this is one trade, and then I'm going to do another trade later. That, that's 100% information for each individual trade. I just think it's a between the person's trade and the, the dues for themselves. Seth is saying we should just have more trust in people. Um, <laughs> Jamie's shaking his head. Yeah, I, you guys say that now. If I trade DeAndre Hopkins to someone for one week and you lose that matchup, I think you're going to be upset. Oh, sorry, no. I agree with you on this rental thing. I've when never heard. Do that? Yeah. Jamie, why, would, why and when would you do that? Oh, I think that there's plenty of times. You could think about a situation in which you're currently sitting in eighth place, seventh place, and the sixth place finisher if they win, they're in the playoffs, but they're playing the first place person. And so you may give the first place person the best person on your bench for nothing in order for them to win against the seventh place person. But, so you can if, bump up. But if, you're, but if you're the seventh place person, you're giving up one of your best players. Wouldn't you also be risking losing yourself? I said best case? bench player. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think about like how, how it would work. <clears throat> I mean, I, I could see a situation where that's the case, but... Or if you knew yeah. you had the point pred, 
the point spread covered and you just needed it. that person to lose. So I've been in a position, and this is where I'll bring up other leagues. I've been in a position where it came down to the week 13 and I would have made the playoffs if I had same record, but I was, you know, one, it was going to come down to points. And so like in that case, I'd be like, if I feel confident about winning, I want to help the other guy lose so I can make the playoffs no matter what. So but, I find it very suspicious yeah. that, yes, yeah, Steven, is, who doesn't make any moves, according to him, is really wanting some flex to all of a sudden wheel and deal all the way to the very <laughs> Oh, end. I didn't think about that. Uh, maybe they have a trade that's worked out for week 13. Yeah, exactly. Or something like that. We will have to see if Answer that happens. Yourself. That will be really interesting. Um, it is nice that the trade deadline does preclude trades Sorry. the two weeks leading up to the playoffs or into the playoffs, right? So there's at least that, um, you know, no, no formal rules are going to be moved on this year on this particular issue. It would be too complicated, but it does help to get the conversation started. Zach, speaking of votes for next year, what did you think about that proposal that we all just crash at your, um, a phantom new house, uh, for a full weekend of, of draft craziness? I'm a huge fan of this, of this proposal. I, I'm all for it. I'm all for the league tradition of traveling somewhere um, to a far-out land to, to bond together. Well, to speaking of far-off lands, we're talking Mexico City next season. Love it. <laughs> Football Just trip. like the NFL. Maybe London two years from now. That's what we were thinking. 2020. 20, and then part of my motivation was that, yeah, we league culture has now – accelerated the point where this league we were we were kind of waxing romantically before we started recording about how not we're this wax, is, not waxing brazilianly no <laughs> i hope not but how um you know first the cart wasn't you know and the horse were kind of mixed up like we're gonna have a fantasy football league because we like to play and now we've put the horse in front of the cart by saying like you know what let's have some camaraderie to go along with that and it's become so weird and meta this year that we actually have to now force our own hand in real life. Now that was where the Chattanooga trip yeah. came in. Um, as well as the fact that like, we would hate for you to leave. I mean, the silly chatter that drew thinks he's going to leave because nope. he's going to be busy. People are allowed to leave, but not because of, and we have the chief resident at the hospital as a part of the league. He doesn't have a team. <laughs> So I think what Seth is trying to say is that the horse is now in the cart and the cart is driving My metaphor got a little weird there. So here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's a random question, um, which the uh, waxing Brazilianly made me think of. If you had to choose someone in the league that is most likely to choose that particular punishment <laughs> last, who would it be? That's a good question. I would, I'm going to go out and on the, I'm going to, I already have my answer. It's going to be Steven because <laughs> he, I mean, I don't think he's going to lose this year, but I think for dwell construction, he doesn't want the student driver on his car. Like he's going to these nice houses, these nice neighborhoods. And he, it's an awkward, even if it's a joke and he can pull it off, it's just like, eh. And he already kind of admitted, um, that stand-up was, was sort of a toxic motivator, not a fun motivator for avoiding last place. Um, yeah, I'm, and, and I mean, Steven's a hairy guy. Uh, <laughs> but 
he's also like tough as nails. I think he'd be like, this will be really fun. No one's going to see it. I don't see anyone in the league doing that. I would choose the stand-up probably myself. Um, I mean, I've had my back waxed before, kind of as a joke. <laughs> kind of. Story story time. Time. Story time. You guys still laughing? <laughs> News alert. Yeah, exactly. That would be perfect if that was your stand-up routine. I'm yeah. pretty sure that I would go. I think I might be the no, only person in the league who would go student driver. Because wow. I have crappy cars, and I don't care who sees me in my car. Yeah. And I actually think it'd be pretty awesome to have a student driver. Is it the full thing on top? Well, it looks like you could sticker? maybe get a bumper sticker, but I'm getting the full thing on top. Whoa, okay. whoa, whoa. <laughs> there is no bumper sticker allowed. Yeah, because I've been seeing a lot of families now like that apparently have around town. You see this where they have 16 or 17-year-olds clearly in their family, yeah, yeah. and they're like, be patient with me. You know, student driver practicing, that's a new thing to me. When we yeah. voted on it, I was pretty clear that we were talking about the full-blown Almaro High School, like, domino-style yeah. student driver triangle, right? So this is clear. We well, don't lit, need to vote up, about it. Lit up at night. Yeah. So whoever's playing Travis this week and wants DeAndre Hopkins, let's get this cone on his car. <laughs> get the cone on the car. That's right. We're not Broncos. Hey, uh, Jamie, thanks for being a guest this week. Thanks for having me uh, on. How, how do you all feel about this week's episode? A fiver. We didn't have pull off a five-team trade, but we did pull off a yeah. five-person episode. Pull off. We'll we'll put that out to the court of public opinion. <laughs> and we, we got, gave them content. Yeah, we got about an hour and a half here for you, Zach. So. Oh, I know. I've been live editing. How we go? It's well, only uh, a tiny. There bit. were. It's I, only a tiny bit above average. I'd say. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, hour and a half. I mean, we've had episodes that are. There were two half. minutes. An hour is probably. We've had an hour and a half episode before. We have. That was that was waxing on for uh, about forty-five minutes. That about was a certain trade that shall not be named. <laughs> Never again. The uh, I mean, there were two distinct minutes where I think we said we were going to edit out, but otherwise this might be the new <laughs> the new record. I think I think I think a good way to end. by default when you comment edit edit this out, I specifically do not edit it. Yeah, right. fair enough. Even the poop stuff. Keep the poop stuff in. All right. Hey, I think a good way to end it. This shouldn't take too long. Everybody gets five seconds. Predict who will win the league. And then we're going to fall in a well. Jamie, go first. I'm going to say Steven. I'm going to say me. (laughs) Zach, you go. Steven. Uh, My rational self says Steven. My emotional self says Cody. I don't think I'm going to win as much as I'd like to. I'm going to give this one to Matt. Made his night. Are you kidding me right now? We got to do this again. Let's try again. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to win the league, Jamie? (laughs) I'm going to win the league. I'll take it. It's possible. If you will it, dude, there's no dream. We wrapping this up. Fall in a well. Go fall in a well.